Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for Tax Day, the 17th, 17th, 17th of April, 2023. Happy Monday to you. Yeah, I'm not thrilled that it's Monday either. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend. And really appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com and signing up to support the show, getting the extra bonus materials and lots of good notes from the show this week. Uh, on Saturday, and entering to win the contest. This week it was between Mike Huckabee and Sandra Day O'Connor. And next week, or this week, is going to be uh, the next contest. It's going to be even bigger, even bigger, if you can imagine. So check that out and go there and see who it is now or wait till the end of the program. All right, let's get started. But were it not for the parties being what they are, you would have heard about this. You would have, they would have been screaming it from the mountaintop. This from uh, Fox 5 in Baltimore. Baltimore. Baltimore delegate Kaylin Young, spelled C-A-Y-L-I-N, faces second-degree assault charges per online court records. And this is... Online court records show that Baltimore City Delegate Kaylin Young faces one charge of second-degree assault from an incident in November. Young is a Democrat representing the 45th District. Online records indicate the incident happened on November 3, 2022. Those records show Young is the defendant in the case and uh, lists his office in Annapolis as his address. The summons was issued March 7th, according to online records. Young is a member of the House of Delegates. He won his seat in the 2022 election. His delegate profile shows that he attended Baltimore City College and earned his law degree at the University of Baltimore. Now, why did I read that last little bit? Seems like an irrelevant detail. Well, I read that last little bit because that and this one line Fox 45 News reached out to Young for comment. Are the entirety of the story. That's the entirety of the story. That's it. We don't know. It's some kind of charge. And if you look, if you do a search for Delegate Kalen Young in news on Google, you get that's the top result. It also appears to be the only result in news that mentions any charges whatsoever but you go back to just regular google results and it too is the only result all the list of the other things are just like legislative profile pages and things like that one story and i don't know the extent or the seriousness of the charge in the normal Google results, without clicking on the news tab, the criminal charge story comes. It's the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's the ninth link that comes up. You have to scroll down to see it. His Twitter page and his Instagram page come up before the fact that he's been charged with a crime, a second degree, I don't, 
I don't know the seriousness of the charge or anything. I'm not trying to argue that. I'm just trying to make a point. What's interesting to me is that ooh, online records popped this up. Online would online records pop do you not have journalists on your does the Baltimore Sun not have journalists? Baltimore Sun is the paper in the state. Do they not have journalists out there? Is there nobody out there that is monitoring these things that somebody, a member of the House, they, yeah, there are a lot of House of Delegates members, not that many. Not so many that you wouldn't notice that one of them got arrested in November or something happened in November that led to their arrest. How the hell does this fly under the radar for so long? Well, the only way it flies under the radar for so long is if you're not really looking. If you're not really looking, if you don't care, You'd have to care. Look, you know, it's amazing what you don't find when you don't look for it. And along those lines, there's another little doozy going on. Again, Democrats in the state of Maryland. This story comes to us from South Maryland News, or Southern Maryland News. Literally the only place I could find this story. According to, and this story is dated April 12th, the story I just read you is April 13th. So these are relatively new stories, even though the other story happened in November. This story, again, is a, a uh, tale of party. According to documents on file in district court, again, nobody's monitoring what's going on with these people in Annapolis. Nobody's paying any attention. It's just, hey, we fell bass backwards into some piles. Once a year, we decide to go and look at court records to see whether or not any of our elected officials have gotten into trouble. Sometimes we catch it, sometimes we don't. What are you going to do? According to documents on file in district court, Delegate Jeffrey Eugene Long Jr., 26, has been charged in an incident that allegedly occurred April 4th at a Huntington, at a Huntington Town residence. Again, April 4th. Granted, there's a shorter turnaround time on this one, but it, the incident you'd think would lead to an arrest. Long is a Democrat who represents portions of Calvert and Prince George's counties in District 27B of the Maryland General Assembly. Court records identify Long as a Huntington resident during Long's successful campaign last year for the legislature. The freshman delegate was identified as a Brandywine resident. Now, it's amazing, again, none of these media outlets seem to have any idea who these people are. Apparently, this guy lives in a shoe. He was an old lady who lives in a shoe. Do you not have reporters? Does anybody not have reporters that might, I don't know, keep up with what's going on in Annapolis, who these people are? In court papers filed by Calvert's Sheriff's Office Deputy Tyler Bowen, Long allegedly entered a home through an unlocked door, quote, without being invited and being, uh, without being invited in and giving permission to enter, meaning he just marched in. It's sort of a home invasion. Long allegedly threatened a woman at the home while wield, uh, wielding what the accuser described as a metal pipe. Have you heard this story? It's been a few days. MSNBC do a segment. Fox didn't even do a segment on this. Your local, nothing. Bowen wrote in court documents that the woman, quote, was in fear for her life and was afraid Long was going to kill her. According to Bowen's report, 
He responded to the residence shortly before 10 p.m. that night. A 60-year-old man was at the house when the incident began, Bowen reported and confirmed Long had an object in his hand. The deputy stated in court papers the man told him, quote, when Long entered the home, he went outside to get away from the incident. Real heroic. You can beat the hell out of the lady. I'm out. Long's accuser told Bowen that Long left the property in a Mercedes. Yeah, all those 26-year-old Democrats fighting for the little guy who drive Mercedes. Hmm. Bowen, along with Deputy Anthony Aranda, attempted to make contact with Long at his Huntington Town residence. Quote, Once on the scene, we were able to make contact with an unidentified male at the address, Bowen stated in court documents. We told the female, I guess an unidentified female, not male, we told the female we needed to speak with Long about an incident that occurred, and she stated that she couldn't speak to him because he was, that we couldn't speak to him because he was in session, referring to the 90-day General Assembly session in Annapolis that concluded on April 10th. The, quote, the female was being uncooperative and stated that if we wanted to speak to Long, we had to contact Anne Arundel County Sheriff's Office, Bowen wrote. Long has been charged with home invasion and first-degree assault, according to the court records. A summons was issued April 5th, and the district court hearing on the charges is scheduled for May 22nd. When reached Tuesday about the incident, Long declined to comment. Hmm, he is represented by Greenbelt attorney John McKenna, according to court records. Have you heard anything about this? Anybody heard anything of that? Now, wherever you are in the world, I guarantee you there are these sorts of things going on. But I promise you, if these were Republicans, you would have heard about it. Now, what's more important? Two grandstanding Democrats with apparently a pretty sketchy history. One pretending to be Martin Luther King. The other one having a video has surfaced of the other Justin down in Tennessee committing an assault in 2020 and 2020 during the BLM Antifa riots. And go, huh, that's, that's a little weird. That's a little weird, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, you don't get the stories of, on the national media about those facts. You get, uh, look at these heroes. They're wonderful heroes. In fact, one of them, the one that pretends to, uh, the one that went from, hi, I'm I'm Justin Pearson and I'm running for student council to Martin Luther King and I have a dream today that one day that guy that guy's being invited up to Harvard for a powwow and a seminar with David Hogg remember him the anti-gun activist up there he's getting he's getting they're getting the royal treatment man they're getting the a guy that uh, Clarence Thomas has known for like 30 years hooks a friend up on vacations and that's a scandal but members of the tennessee legislature having you know millions of dollars thrown at them and being flown around the country for media appearances that's no big deal that's nothing it's nothing what are you doing but have you heard about these cases in maryland if you live in maryland i promise you you haven't because a search of the baltimore i did i did a specific uh, search for the baltimore sun's website for every permutation of Jeffrey Eugene Long, Jeffrey is spelled weirdly in this story. I don't know how he really spells it. J-E-F-F-R-I-E. But I looked, 
I looked at the. Uh, you can do a site if you do if you want to do a, a little pro tip for specific searches. If you just want to, if you know the website but you don't know what the story is, or you don't know what the thing is, if in a Google search you type in whatever the words and then you write site colon and no space site colon and then baltimoresun.com it will give you results just for that website a google search of just the baltimore sun shows no results for jeffrey eugene long delegate jeffrey eugene long or jeffrey long or eugene long, nothing baltimore sun can't be bothered with this story it's been a couple of days you'd think they might have looked into it there is nothing about Delegate Kalen Young, at least as it is related to the charges against him, which seemed, at least we have some details about what Delegate Long is alleged to have done. We have no idea of the other details. You would think two Democrats, at least two, I mean, God knows if they're just randomly searching court records rather than bothering to do any actual journalism, uh, who knows what they could turn up. But if they're uh, just randomly searching court records, who knows what they miss? Who knows when they'll get around to finding other things? But two Democrats in the course of one week. Stories breaking. That actually happened a while ago. Have you ever heard of anything? Well, hey, wait, it turns out four or five months ago, some Republican was arrested for uh, domestic violence. No, you don't. You don't hear that at all. In fact, you hear the exact opposite. You hear Democrats, Katie Porter. I played audio the other day of Katie Porter, I think, when she was, for some weird reason, on um, Stephen Colbert's show, whatever the hell it's I don't actually even know what the hell it's called. But when she was on Stephen Colbert's show, she was up there going, oh, I'm running for Senate, I'm this, that, and that, and the other thing. Apparently, allegedly, and uh, you know, according to court documents, again, it's weird. Stephen Colbert is having a domestic abuser on his show and and kissing her rear end. What am I talking about? Fox News. The ex-husband of California Democrat Senate candidate Representative Katie Porter says he does not recant his domestic abuse allegations against the Congresswoman after her campaign said that he did. They lied. He's recanted. The allegations against Porter include claims that she dumped hot potatoes on her then-husband's head and smashed a glass that led to him being cut by flying shards. Porter has separately faced accusations of running a toxic, emotionally abusive workplace by former staffers. Lots of people. You can tell how bad somebody is to work for by the turnover rate. According to divorce documents received by Fox News Digital, Porter and her ex-husband, Matt Hoffman, both filed domestic violence restraining orders against each other after an April 2013 altercation at the home they shared while legally separated. Hoffman alleged that Porter hit him in the arm, caused a large bruise, dumped boiling potatoes on his head, and ridiculed him as too dumb to have a cell phone. He said that the congresswoman waited all day, then called the police, made false allegations against him 11 hours after a confrontation while brushing her teeth, uh, the day the police were called to the residence. Now, isn't that nice? Doesn't she sound sane? Right now, believe all men, right? Isn't that right? Believe all men. Isn't that? That's not the hashtag, is it? Is it? I don't know. But do you mention it? I promise you, if Katie Porter had an R after her name, 
it would be in the lead paragraph of her obituary and everything in between. But instead, she gets to go on with Stephen Colbert, and they go, la-di-da-di-da, you won't find this story. Scalding hot, if you're boiling potatoes and you dump it over somebody's head, Katie Porter does seem like a, a little unstable. She seems like she goes zero to uh, irrational in about five seconds. And if you've ever dealt, if you dealt with enough people, you'd know, you can spot that a mile away. But again, it is, it goes to show you this case is in Maryland, this case in California, that Fox is the only place reporting. It goes to show you what I always say. That's not a little D after their name, the capital D. You go, oh, in parentheses, there's a little D. No, that's not a D. That's a tiny little shield, and it plows the road of anything, any controversy, anything that might cause problems, any issues, whatever. It is like a little tiny Captain Soviet Union shield. I can't say Captain America. A little tiny Soviet Captain Soviet Union shield. And it just deflects any and all criticism. And the media is the ones that are holding it. While our president has been over beclowning himself throughout Europe, by the way, shifting gears, watching uh, every time Joe Biden goes anywhere, you're just going, no, geez, not, no, no, don't, don't, don't. And then he does. And then you realize it's not that bad because nobody, the expectations game is incredibly low with Joe Biden. Did he, did he uh, urinate on the statue? Did he freak out and scream at the prime minister? No, he didn't. He didn't set fire to the... Okay, well, then I guess it's a victory. I mean, it's a very, very low bar. It's like watching my kids play soccer. Sad as it is, having suffered through two practices uh, the other day, it's just they didn't cry. Nobody cried this time, which was a nice plus. But you just watch it and you go, okay, they're spinning in a circle. They're running in a circle. That's not what the drill is. They don't have their ball anywhere near them, but they're running in a circle. And you just go, well, at least they're not crying. You set the bar low enough. Look, it's a four and five year old, and nobody out there. There's a couple, actually, there's a couple of kids out there that are actually pretty good for four and five. They'd probably be pretty good for maybe ten year olds. They're running and they're kicking. They did some serious backyard practice with their parents who played, and they showed an interest. If my kid showed an interest in soccer, I'd uh, help them do it. Now they just love it. Like they sit around, stand around, they're bored, like need drinks of water. And they said, do you, are you even having fun? Like that was fun. Like that, that, that was fun. Okay. Whatever. But it's kind of like Joe Biden. You just go, hey, he's not hurting anybody. As long as he doesn't do any damage. I guess that's a victory. Like I say, you set the bar low enough. You can clear it. That brings us to Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States. Speaking of low bars, her barrier to entry for the world of politics was incredibly low, about knee-high, if I had to guess. And uh, anybody who is familiar with Willie Brown will get that joke. But now she is, the joke is on all of us. You know, like, ah, look at how you got your start in politics. Used to be a time when that would embarrass people and they would be publicly shamed and go, geez, I don't. Well, now it's the key to success. Seriously, it is. We wouldn't know the name Kim Kardashian or Paris Hilton 
if there were anything related to shame still in existence in society. <laughs> There's famous and infamous. I wrote in my book. There's fame and infamy, and there used to be a line between the two. You wanted to be wanted one, not the other. And now it's like it doesn't matter. Just get attention. Just get attention. Just get attention. Well, um, Kamala Harris. Was in Washington D.C. yesterday. It was a banner day. She was actually in Washington D.C. And there's a bridge across the Potomac, on uh, I think it's 395. It's an old bridge. It's a beat up bridge. And the Biden administration, through the Infrastructure Act, has earmarked something in the neighborhood of 75 million dollars to rehab to fix this bridge. Well, to fix one direction of this bridge. It seems like a lot of money to fix one direction of one bridge. It also seems a little bit weird that you would send the vice president to tout a bridge, not a bridge reopening, not a look at what we've done, we've finished fixing this bridge, but a we're going to fix this bridge. In politics, you should never spike the football on the five-yard line. You could you have, uh, there's all sorts of things that could go wrong where they don't actually fix the bridge or in because uh, in northern virginia people care deeply about these bridges you need a bridge to get to washington dc or a helicopter and if the bridge doesn't get repaired and the bridge or something happens on the bridge between now and the election the republicans will rightly go look at Kamala harris is here celebrating this bridge. there's just all sorts of things that you you should celebrate the end of something less so the beginning of it unless it's a groundbreaking but Kamala was there not Mayor Pete. Mayor Pete, is, how is, this was, you know, Secretary of Transportation, Secretary Mayor Pete, he's Mr. Infrastructure. You know, we're all, he's too busy combating the uh, gender non-binary pronoun usage in the uh, Transportation Department, apparently, to go show up and do his job. Or with Mayor Pete, there's always the possibility that the guy is on some other kind of leave again. And nobody notices. Nobody tells anybody. Hell, the guy went, disappeared for, what, three months for paternity leave? And nobody noticed it? The supply chain was falling apart. People could not get baby formula, but he was on paternity. He could get baby formula. It was weird how the guy charged with getting baby formula into the country and getting everything into the country was able to get what other people couldn't get. His baby didn't go hungry. It's weird. I would think that that would be something that, you know, the people who talk about equal, equity, 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 nonstop equity. I would think that the people who care about equity might care about the fact that the babies of two white guys, the adopted babies of two white guys get all the formula any baby could ever need. But... Uh, other babies, particularly babies of color, probably trans babies of color, were not getting the baby formula. See, again, it's different if you're a Democrat. It's different if you're a Democrat. Anyway, I want to play this clip of Kamala Harris talking about she is just the worst. Just the worst. Well, she's not talking about Venn diagrams. Oh, I love Venn diagrams. Or being wildly condescending about space to astronauts. 
to astronauts, talking to astronauts. You strap yourselves to a rocket, and then that rocket blasts off, and that rocket flies into the sky, and that sky turns into space, and you are out there in space. I go, yeah, we're all in our 40s, lady. You're embarrassing yourself. I'm embarrassed for you. Well, she wasn't. she's very good and embarrassing herself. Here she is talking about how excited she is about Californians. Hey, Californians, did you know that you love bridges? I'm not talking about Nash bridges. I'm talking about the roads that you can drive over things. So, you know, when we think about America's bridges, I'm a Californian, so I'm going to tell you one of the things I think we think about. We think about things like the Golden Gate Bridge. Or, you know, some of you might think about the Brooklyn Bridge. But bridges like the one behind me are just as important. Because you know, every day, more than 100,000 people cross the northbound 395 bridge. <laughs> They're fixing the northbound. Oh, bridges the one like, like the one behind us are just as important. Do you think? You think? Is there a bridge in America where you're like, you know what? This bridge can collapse. I don't, nobody likes this bridge. This bridge can go to hell. This bridge can just fall down. Who cares? So I'm pretty sure that uh, the people who drive across any bridge, to anybody who drives across any bridge, that bridge, at least at that moment, is the most important bridge that they can think of. Nobody's driving across the Ambassador Bridge to Ontario, and they go, you know what, I really like the the Bay Bridge. That's, I hope this one can go. I can die right now. As long as the Bay Bridge stands out in San Francisco, I can plunge to my death in the Detroit River. A happy man. I don't think anybody does that. I could be wrong. I don't know that many crazy Democrats, but I do know some. I'll have to ask them. But I love that she's announcing this bridge is getting $75 million, the northbound meaning I think that means getting the hell out of D.C. So it means getting home. Getting $75 million to rehab it. Just to show you how things have changed, I thought, gee, the Golden Gate Bridge, since she talked about the Golden Gate Bridge, I wonder how much the Golden Gate Bridge cost. What do you think the Golden Gate Bridge cost? Now, granted, it was built a long time ago. It started building in 1933, was finished in 1937. $75 million. There's nothing special about this bridge going across the Potomac. But it's aesthetically pleasing. It's a nice-looking bridge, but it's not like... If you, if you changed it out with some other, you wouldn't care. It's not historic. People don't write songs about it. It hasn't played pivotal roles in movies. It's not a tourist destination. Like When I'm in D.C., I want to see the White House, the Capitol, the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Memorial, and this bridge over the Potomac. No, that's not how it works. The Golden Gate Bridge cost $35 million to build in its entirety. One direction of this bridge spanning the Potomac now, the vice president was there touting, is going to cost $75 million to rehab. Not knock down and replace, 
but to rehab, potholes, fixing the mortar, all of those things. You talk about inflation. You talk about insanity. It's right there. It is right there. $75 million for that. Just thought that was an interesting juxtaposition for you so you have a sense of what's going on in your government. <laughs> what else is going well, we'll get to this Florida thing in a second because it is, um, the left is trying to destroy Ron. We'll get to, like I said, we'll get to that in a second. But they're really going after Ron DeSantis. But first, I want to talk to you about beer. Because why? Because beer. The Budweiser people are now regretting what they've done. So much so. Look, uh, what is it? Uh, success has a million fathers and failures and orphans. And this is something like the, the saying that it goes. Well, the blowback for Dylan Mulvaney being uh, given at least $100,000 by Anheuser-Busch to reach out to the trans community and alienate. It wasn't just enough that they're like, here you go, Dylan. You're the face of women drinking Bud Light, dude. Your penis is in the shot. Can you do another take without your penis in the shot about how women, Bud Light favors women? It wasn't just that. It was the way Dylan did it. He's sitting there going, oh, it's sports ball month. And, oh, nobody knows sports ball. I don't know. Who cares about sports? Like, okay, Bud Light is like the official beer of of professional and college sports in the United States. So you're, you're not only insulting women by having a man play a woman going, I support women, but then you also have everybody who likes sports. There's nothing more condescending than somebody who likes sports. So they just go, yay, sports ball. I don't, I, yay team. Like, you know what? You're just pandering to me. So it backfired on uh, two accounts. And then it backfired in a big way. New York Post. Beer Colossus Anheuser-Busch saw its value plummet more than $5 billion since the company announced a branding partnership with transgender media's social media influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Since March 31st, shares of Bud Light's parent company have fallen nearly 4%, knocking down the company's market capitalization from 134 or $132 billion to $127 billion. On Wednesday, Anheuser-Busch stock fizzled more than 1.5% on Wednesday. It's still going in the wrong direction, as it should. As it should. The company is dealing with fallout from controversy over its deal with Mulvaney, the 26-year-old transgender influencer with more than 10 million followers on social media. Mulvaney fired back at critics Tuesday, accusing them of bullying her, him, dude, because she's, quote, an easy target. No, it's because you're a piece of crap, all right? You're putting on a woman face. You're pretending to be a woman. You think, oh, I just put makeup on an address, and I talk like this instead, and that's exactly what it's like to be a woman. No, women are actually uh, way more masculine than you are. <laughs> they're way more, uh, they're smarter than you are. I mean, you're making money, but you are a stereotype. A stereotype that if you really thought about it, if it were in the realm of race, would be denounced as 
incredibly offensive. If you embrace the kinds of stereotypes and the degree to which Dylan embraces them, if he did that about race, he would be run out of town on a rail. It'd be over. But because it's trans in the T in the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ alphabet, the T now gets all the power. The rest of the letters, don't, they look at the T as like, my God, you're crazy. You're insane, by the way, just, just so you know. Uh, as a guest on the Onward with Rosie O'Donnell podcast, Mulvaney said his trolls intentionally twist his words and actions in an effort to blast the transgender community. Well, I love how that, I'm, I'm correcting the pronoun use because the New York Post is a Rupert Murdoch-owned paper. Rupert Murdoch is a right-winger, and they're still respecting gender pronouns and all this crap. Yeah, because they're not really conservative anymore, but whatever. Um, people aren't mocking the transgender community and twisting your words, dude. We play your videos. We play the audio from your videos on radio. We play the video of your videos from on television. It's just here it is. Has nothing to do with taking things out of context. You released a 30-second video. We played the whole 30 seconds. There's no out of context unless you're screwing yourself over, which who knows, maybe that's a gender identity where you screw yourself. Quote, the reason that I think I am so, I'm an easy target because I'm so new to this. Oh, yeah, you're just new to being a woman. No, you're, you're faking it. You're pretending. You're new to playing a woman. You pretend to be a woman. That's you know, a new thing. I think going after tr a trans woman that's been doing this for like 20 years is a lot more difficult. I think maybe they think that there's some sort of chance for me. But what's their goal? I don't care what your goal is. I couldn't care less that you exist or that you don't exist. I care that you lie, that you have an audience, and you lie. It's that simple. I care that you're polluting people's minds and going, all it takes to be a woman is to just put on a dress and do your hair and, and talk breathy. Talk breathy and talk the way that somebody would go, eek, a spider would talk. And that's what a woman is. I mean, it's clear that you're a gay man and you never had any dealings with women because you have no idea what being around a real woman is like. But that you're making millions of dollars pretending and prancing because marketing and, and somehow you came up with a gimmick of, it's by 365 days of being a girl. Were all the members of the Kids of the Hall pioneers in the transgender community? Were all the guys in Monty Python pioneers in the transgender community because they played the roles they wrote for? No, they weren't. What's the difference? Well, Dylan's making a lot more money. That's the difference. And Dylan's trying to insist that he's serious. He's not serious. Now, what's funny about this is everybody at uh, Anheuser-Busch is going, we had nothing to do with this. Uh, no, 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 no. The success has a million fathers and failure as an orphan. 
Again, New York Post, Bud Light's controversial marketing deal with transgender social media star Dylan Mulvaney has ignited speculation that top executives at the corporate parent Anheuser-Busch may have been blindsided by the tie-up when it was released. Quote, no one at a senior level was aware this was happening, an unnamed source told the Daily Wire. Marketing executives at Bud's parent Anheuser-Busch InBev have allegedly paused additional campaigns so they can implement a more robust vetting process for future products or projects, according to the report. The accuracy of the report, which comes despite the fact that Bud Light has publicly stood behind its partnership with Mulvaney, can't be confirmed. Quote, some low-level marketing staffer who helps manage hundreds of influencer engagements they do must have thought this was no big deal, according to the unnamed source. Obviously it was. And it's a shame because they have a well-earned reputation of being America's beer, not a political company. Well, we, we weren't even in town that month. Well, the, the vice president of marketing for Bud Light is on record saying we, need to get rid of, we needed to get rid of the fratty image of Bud Light. Now, congratulations, you did it. By the way, the audio I played you that woman the other day, her Facebook page, the Daily Caller found it. She's since deleted everything. But her Facebook page was filled with what? A whole bunch of pictures of her from college doing fratty things. Fratty is bad. Fratty baddie. And there she is, you know, doing beer bongs and at frat parties. Well, somebody got woke while in college, didn't they? Maybe you should go back to sleep or just buy better beer. How about that? No, but it's amazing. Nobody's been fired yet for making nobody. People got fired, I think, over New Coke. This isn't changing the formula. This is peeing on the audience, which is probably worse. I want to look at Florida now because the. Uh, the left is throwing a fit over. They hate Florida. Good God, they hate Florida. We'll get to their hatred of Ron DeSantis on the right in a bit and how counterproductive that is. But the left hate him too. They're trying to destroy him like you wouldn't believe. Maybe they will. Who knows? But they, um, Florida just did a couple of things. Six-week abortion ban six-week abortion ban, and the death penalty for child rapists. You can debate and opinions will differ about the abortion ban. Some people say six weeks is too long, should be just a complete and total ban. Other people will say you should be able to abort the child up to the point that the kid starts voting. As long as they vote for Republicans, then you should be able to abort. It's just a matter of uh, your individual nature. But we'll deal with the death penalty for child molest. Now, the left isn't really going, how dare Republicans institute a death penalty for child molest? It's kind of, it's kind of funny because they're, they're, they're opposed to the death penalty, but they don't want to defend child molesters, even though they're a key constituency for them. So they're in a weird position where they don't like this, they can't really come out and condemn. So they're focusing on the abortion thing. You won't see too many segments. Rachel Maddow is not going to do a special show on the rights of child molesters and child rapists and how wrong it is 
that these people would be sent to hell faster. Well, the uh, bill's sponsor down in Florida is a representative named Jessica Baker. And she gave a little speech. And it's a very short clip here, but I think it sums it up perfectly well. And if you... You can see why Democrats go, we don't... Let's just pretend that this didn't happen. Okay? Or vote for it or whatever. Let's just... Let's all go into the hall and have a cigarette when this vote happens because I don't want to be on record as opposing it or supporting it. I don't want to... They, they're kind of screwed into a corner, but this is a principled vote and it's a good thing. And I support it wholeheartedly. There is no earthly redemption for somebody who rapes a small child. Only God can save them. And in Florida, we should be eager to arrange that meeting. Members, I ask for your support and with that I close. <laughs> I love that. Hey, there's no redemption for you except from God. So we're going to get you an Let's get you an audience. How about that? We'll get you an audience and you can make your case. Does that sound good? Now, on the other side, there is a uh, new six-week abortion ban. Now, what's funny here is Trump supporters paid Trump activists on Twitter. This Alex Bruschi guy, whatever the hell his name is, is one of them. He, they documented like $35,000 to this guy. They're out there saying, well, if Ron DeSantis so supports abortion or opposes abortion, why did he sign this bill in the dead of night? He did it at 11 o'clock, and he did it as soon as the bill was passed and, and sent. You can't sign a bill that isn't passed the legislature yet, and you can't sign a bill that hasn't been delivered to you by the legislature yet. I don't know if you know this or not, but you, there's no reason to know this. But as far as formalities and legalities of passing legislation, as soon as Congress, any Congress, passes a piece of legislation, a president or governor can't say, I'm in. It's now the law of the land. No, an actual physical, they can't send an email, they can't send out a text blast. An actual physical copy of the legislation has to be printed up and delivered, and signed, by the way, by the Speaker of the House and the Majority Leader, President Pro Tem of the Senate. Not the Majority Leader, but the President Pro Tem of the Senate. And that physical copy has to be brought to the President or the governor. Now, it might vary a little bit in different states, but the gist of it is the same. And on the federal level, that's how it works. And then the president or governor has to physically sign the same thing. It's like a contract. You can't have a contract with somebody that you've signed and they didn't and make it a valid binding contract. That's not how contracts work. Otherwise, you could just enter other people into contracts pretty easily. You need to both be signed and you can't this i'll sign my copy you sign your copy and we'll call it a day and we'll work on the honor system and what the honor system were <laughs> if the honor system were trustworthy we wouldn't need contracts would we so you have to both sign the same contract and you can sign two copies of it so you each have a copy but you both have to sign the damn thing and the legislation all three have to sign the same thing, and then it becomes law. That's how it works. So if Ron DeSantis were sitting around and the bill were passed at 4 p.m., he'd have to wait until the copies were printed up, 
The copies were signed, the copies were couriered and delivered over, and you had time in your schedule to sign it. So he signed it and released a photograph of the signing ceremony at 11 o'clock. And uh, this uh, Brewski guy's like, oh, he's doing it in the dead of night, and he's not even doing it at a major... Well, you try and gather a whole bunch of people together for a 30-second ceremony. The room was full of people, by the way. It wasn't a secret. But you want to get camera crews and everything. No, he just signed the damn piece of legislation. Anyway, the people over at MSNBC are not happy. Again, another example of what passes for political analysis at the Peacock Network. This is somebody called Juanita Tolliver. I've never heard of Juanita Tolliver, but she is a woman of color, just so you know that. She's talking to Stephanie Rule, who is a woman of idiocy the dumbest person on cable television. And uh, Juanita Tolliver is an MSNBC political analyst. She writes for The Grio, which is a uh, racist blog. And she is a, a podcast host with the Pod Save America guys over there, the former Obama administration officials, a bunch of white guys exploiting a woman of color. They are not happy about this. Stephanie Rule and Juanita Tolliver, I want you to hear what they have to say. Republicans are trying to backtrack from something they've dedicated decades to when in regards to overturning access to abortion by stacking the Supreme Court and now pushing for complete and total bans. But there's no way they can backtrack from the cruelty, the inhumane behavior and the extremist policies that they've put forward. And the fact that DeSantis is signing this bill into law at what, 11 o'clock at night and trying to pretend like no one's going to see it? That just shows that, okay, you know you've stepped in it because nearly two-thirds of the country still supports access to abortion, but you're going to do it anyway because you're trying to survive a GOP primary. That's what this is about. But here's the thing. Even if DeSantis does survive a primary, going into a general election where elections are won with a general electorate that supports access to abortion, this is going to bite him in the butt, right? People are going to reject him because of that. And you better believe Democrats are going to run any bit of footage they have of him talking about this and signing that bill, even though he posted it again at 11 o'clock at night on a Thursday, this will be front and center for voters if he survives a Republican primary. Now, to be clear, he may have signed it earlier today. We just got word now yeah. that he signed it. Uh, it's extraordinary to play politics with something this serious when it comes to our health. <laughs> something so, I wonder how many abortions Stephanie Rule has had. This is what I mean when she's the dumbest person on cable news. Hey, can you believe they're playing politics with something so important? Uh, what do you think that chick just did? This is a pro We're going to really nail them, and this is going to be a big election thing. And election, election, election. How dare the Republicans play politics with this? Now, we're going to get together a whole bunch of campaign ads against Republicans that'll really hammer them for playing politics. Wait, isn't that... I don't know. I'm, I'm a newbie to this. A little bit of a straw behind the collar still, because so I just fell off the turnip truck. But isn't using this as a campaign, pledging to use this as a campaign ad, and that playing politics with it? Just, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. I think it is. I think it is. But I love how this the Juanita chick is like, this is cruelty. Cruelty. Cruelty? Birth? Is cruelty? Were you cruel to your mother? Do you owe your mother money? I'm sorry, Mom. 
I'm sorry you didn't abort me. It's a horrible tragedy, and it's something I will try to avoid in the future. The real question for these people is how long do women need to make up their minds? Now, I know their answer. They, they would scoff at the question. The answer, it's a woman's body. She can do with it what she wants. She can do with it whatever she wants. Well, at a certain point, yeah, well, I mean, it is, it is her body. But at a certain point, it becomes the, either at conception or birth or somewhere in between. The, the baby becomes its own person too, right? So you can't decide if, uh, yeah, is this going to be an apt analogy? I don't know. I'll try it anyway. You got money in your pocket. Say you got a $20 bill in your pocket. You can't legally take it out and set it on fire. It actually would help the economy. It would help inflation if a whole bunch of people set their money on fire because it would take some money out of circulation. But you get the idea. That is not your, it's your money. You've earned it, but you don't actually own it. It's government property. You can be in trouble for destruction of government property. At a certain point, conception or some point thereafter, depending on your religious beliefs, I'm not trying to convince you one way or another on anything. I'm trying to make a point. But at a certain point, the fetus becomes a full-blown baby. All right, It can live outside the womb. It can do this, that, and the other thing, whatever it is. Right? So then, at what point is that for these people, do you suspect? There's no doubt that at eight months, baby can be born and and be just fine, right? The way we've seen it in medical terms and medical miracles, quite frankly, we have seen babies born at like... I don't know, some really, really low, 22 weeks, 20 weeks, 18 weeks, where they're preemie, 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 they fit in the palm of your hand, and through the miracle of medicine and the determination of the parents, the babies live, and the babies are fine. It's rare, but it happens. It's happening more and more as medical technology advances. So at some point, you have to acknowledge that whilst... It is your body. There is somebody else living in it. There's somebody else dwelling in it. It's your house. But you get to tell the kids that you have who live in there how to behave themselves, right? Don't you? Sort of the same concept. Now, at some point, at 18, you can tell the kids get the hell out. And in some states, you've got to have a big pain-in-the-butt legal process if they really want to, if you raised your kids wrong. But... um, when it comes to pregnancy, at some point, isn't that a human being? So if you ask, they never want to talk about it. They never want to talk about partial birth abortion. They never want to talk about any limits on abortion. If you notice the way the left talks about abortion, they don't talk about what they support. They characterize what conservatives advocate for and they take it to the extreme and they try and say well this is uh, six weeks six weeks a woman will barely know she's pregnant at six weeks i don't know i i 
I've known a lot of women in my life, but half the people in my life, half the people in my world are women. I've never met one who wasn't aware that they had sex. Right? I never had one who wasn't aware that they'd had sex. I never met one who wasn't aware they had sex and whether or not it was protected or whatever. Didn't know whether or not, did I take my pill or what have you. Never met, I don't know, maybe somebody out there exists that once they sleep, boy, howdy, they sleep deep and everything is gone. And they wake up in the morning anew. I mean, they seem to be journalists, actually, where history starts new. Every day they get up and they go, oh, nothing happened yesterday. It's all, the world just formed. That's a, You get a whole bunch of reporters with no sense of, or knowledge of history. But I never met a woman who goes, you know, did I, what did I do last night? Why am I, I'm not going to get graphic, but, you know, certain things. And if you are at all concerned about the possibility of being pregnant, having engaged in one of two activities that can get you that way, I guess three, God can say, you're it. But uh, one would, artificial insemination. But do you know how they are? If you engage in the one and you're like, did I take, I forgot my pill, or we didn't use a condom, you can find out pretty quickly. Those pregnancy tests, watch the commercials, what are they? you'll find out five days earlier, you'll find out 24 hours after your, you can find out if you are afraid you're pregnant, you can find out pretty quickly. So six weeks is a pretty long time, isn't it? Is it enough time? Now, the argument would be, well, the woman has to have time to decide what she wants to do. Well, what's the moral dilemma? Is there a moral dilemma? If you start going, hey, there's a moral dilemma, you've got to figure out what it is, because we're told this is nothing but a lump of cells to kids until they go off to college, these Democrats. And then you start introducing moral dilemma, and you need six weeks to weigh your conscience. What is your conscience about? Would you remove a tumor or would you not remove a tumor? If you found out you had intestinal parasites, would you get rid of them or would you not? If you go down the rabbit hole here with the left and start asking questions, everything they advocate for falls apart or at least gets very more muddled. And that's why they don't go down that rabbit hole. That's why they speak in platitudes and talk about 30,000 foot level. They don't want you thinking. Thought. Thought is kryptonite to the left. All right, since we're talking about uh, Florida, I want to talk about the Trump campaign and the it's the Make America Great Again pack. It is a Trump affiliated. It's illegal. I will preface that it is illegal for campaigns to coordinate with political action committees. There's no way in God's green earth people who are in Trump's inner circle and are uh, definitely loyal to him would ever... It's they, they don't need to communicate. Democrat PACs don't need to communicate with Democrat candidates. They know. They know. They know what, what what needs to be done. Where is it? They roll in the same circles. They don't have official meetings and declare things like, you need to do this and we'll do that. It's not how it works. But they all, you know what's going on. You know what needs to be done and you do it. Now, I want to play you. One, they have two. They came out with a second one the other day. The, the second one is there was a report that Ron DeSantis ate a 
a cup of pudding with his fingers. And lacking a spoon, he ate a cup of pudding with his fingers. And somehow this is a massive scandal. Oh, my. Now, DeSantis has denied it. But who cares? I have eaten, not pudding, but I've eaten cups of yogurt without a a spoon. Why? Because, like, I will... I, I I have a weird thing that I hate. Like if you just do dishes, if I'm if I just loaded the dishwasher, if I just push start of the dishwasher, and somebody wants to use a spoon or I need to use a spoon, I have to wash it right away. I can't be can't be the one a bowl whatever it is. I hate the fact that there's like one errant or a couple things of like that bowl that cup. It's just gonna bother me. So I'll wash it by hand just so I want all dishes done. I don't have a problem with no dishes done. But like you're doing all the dishes and then somebody goes, oh, here, I just dirtied this dish. I have disposable plastic cups for when I've done the dishes and somebody says, I want to drink a water. I'm like, all right, well, you can have a bottle of water or you can use this cup. Don't Don't you dare reach in there and get a glass. Use this cup, drink it. Throw it away. I'm a horrible environmentalist. I'm not an environmentalist at all. I have a bunch of plastic wear for when I eat my mush or something. And it's like <coughs> in the morning, I have mush for breakfast sometimes. If you don't know what mush is, it's a it's weird sort of yogurt kind of thing. Or not yogurt, a weird uh, oatmeal kind of thing. It's delicious and it's low calorie and all that. And I have my mush and it, like there's nothing in the sink. So... I recognize the whole day is ahead of it and the sink's going to get filled with dishes. I don't have a problem with that. But if I'm sitting there and I'm going to eat my mush, I don't want to dirty a spoon. It's probably a problem. It's probably a neurosis, actually. So I will have a disposal. I'll have a plastic spoon so that I can eat my mush and then throw away the thing and there's no, not like there's evidence, but there's, I haven't dirtied anything. So I, when it comes time to like going to bed and I've, my stomach's feeling a little unease sometimes, there's some digestive issues, I will grab a yogurt and go, you know what? The live and active cultures will help settle this down while I sleep. And I won't want to dirty a spoon. I won't want to waste a plastic spoon. And I'm not doing it because I really want the flavor of yogurt. I want the live and active culture. So I will treat the little cup of yogurt like a squeeze thing and you squeeze it and you slurp it up gross maybe i don't care but i do it if you're eating things without utensils sometimes you just have to it is not a sign of psychosis it is not as it's as much a sign of being a sociopathic monster as say gorging yourself on fast food regularly is but DeSantis isn't running ads saying Donald Trump does this. The Trump campaign is running things about Ron DeSantis eating pudding allegedly with his fingers, which if you have, in the grand scheme of politics, if that's all you've got, you don't have a whole lot. I would, I almost wouldn't draw attention to it because it it may, like if you're saying, that guy over there, he he's kissed too many girls. That's your line of attack. You don't have much of a line of attack, and all you've really done is maybe draw attention to the fact that the that ladies like that guy. Probably a little bit counterproductive. 
But the substance of the ad in the pudding ad is the same as the substance in the ad of the one I'm going to play you right now. And it is that somehow Ron DeSantis wants to end Social Security and Medicare and screw over everybody on Social Security and Medicare. It's not a very nuanced argument. They're counting on you not knowing anything. But this is, rather than attacking Joe Biden, rather than criticizing Democrats, this is where the Trump campaign money is going so far. Attacking a guy who hasn't even entered the race. Think you know Ron DeSantis? Think again. In Congress, DeSantis voted three separate times to cut Social Security. That's right, three times over three years. Worse, DeSantis voted to cut Medicare two times. DeSantis even voted to raise the retirement age to 70. The more you learn about DeSantis, the more you see he doesn't share our values. He's just not ready to be president. Make America Great Again Inc. is responsible for the content of this advertising. Yeah, he's just not ready to be president. Yeah, nobody's ready to be president who's, when they were a member of Congress, voted in any way, shape, or form to address the fiscal cliff that uh, politicians are driving us towards. It's not cutting Social Security, by the way. This is this is what drives me nuts about the Trump people. And I know, I, you can send me the emails, I don't, I don't care. But somebody has to say it because it's true. Social Security and Medicare are going broke. They're bankrupting the country over the next, uh, was 75 years, now it's probably about 50 years. There is a $100 trillion deficit between the amount of money coming in and the amount of money that they are scheduled to pay out. How do you propose to close that gap? Well, one way to do it, and it gets harder and harder all the time because the longer you wait, the, the more damaging or disruptive, I guess would be a better word, the correction will be have to be it's the difference between driving a boat and you see there's a a pier right ahead or something and you go well it's about about a mile away i'll just adjust the steering wheel just a teens and we'll miss that thing by a mile or you go you know what screw it let's just keep going and then you're 10 feet from it and you jerk the wheel both have you missing the pier missing disaster but one is wildly disruptive, people falling overboard, beer spilling, whatever. And the other one, nobody even notices. Well, Republicans have voted many, many times to try to slow the rate of increase of these programs. Slowing the rate of increase of these programs is not cutting them. It is the difference of you spend $100 this year, you plan on spending $110 next year, but then you decide that you're going to only spend $107. So it's $7 more than you spent the previous year, but $3 less than you had originally planned to spend. Would you consider that a $7 increase or a $3 cut? That's the way that Washington works. They 
Democrats, every time Republicans talk about entitlement reform, where we have to change things or they're going to go bankrupt, nobody's talking about actually cutting things, going from $100 to $90. They're talking about going from 100 to 107 instead of 110 And that is described as a draconian cut. My God, they're going to kill grandma and have her eating cat food. It was a BS argument when Democrats make it. It's a BS argument when the Trump campaign makes it. But the real question is, then what does the Trump campaign propose for addressing the unfunded liabilities of Social Security and Medicare? They are real. There are more and more people retiring and therefore receiving benefits than there are working. It's about two. When Social Security was started back in the 30s, there were somewhere, a couple of dozen people working for every person retired. They also set the qualification, the starter age at 65, which at the time was, I believe, a year or two past the average life expectancy, which is kind of interesting, right? They expect you to live to 63, but if you make it to 65, you'll qualify for Social Security. Now, the way you calculate life expectancy is perverted because you count in infant mortality, and that lowers it. Realistically, you should be looking at uh, average lifespan after age 50 or something like that. Because if you make it, if you make it past 20, you're gonna. The odds are you'll make it longer. If you make it past certain ages, you'll make it longer. You make it out of infancy, especially back then, you, you lived a long, relatively long time. Um, that's why you hear like people, George, or what's his name? Uh, ben Franklin lived into his 80s or whatever it was. Like, oh, it was rare for the time. It wasn't rare at the time. Life expectancy was so low, not because people were dropping dead at 50 constantly, but because kids were dying right after birth. Kids were dying very young. Medical science has helped us with that. It's not that we're really elongating life, although we are. We have done a hell of a job of stamping out, not completely, but to a pretty good degree, infant mortality. There's a difference. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. You're going to have to deal with this at some point. The Trump administration isn't offering a point. Taking the retirement age to 70 as medical technology enables us to live longer, actually live longer, isn't so beyond the pale, is it? It would prolong the life of the program, and it wouldn't require any cuts. Also, any and all Republican proposals, except for the Trump's proposal, I don't, I don't know what it is, I don't know that he's ever made one, are for people who are 50 and older will see no changes whatsoever which does what? It gives the people who are 49 and younger an additional 20 or years or so or more to prepare for this eventuality so that if you want to retire at 65 still, you then have to adjust your financial plan. It's not saying you can't. It's just saying these things won't kick in until later. Something has to be done. Ron DeSantis, as a member of Congress, voted in favor of things that, quite frankly, are relatively painless and, uh, in the grand scheme of things, not 
not disruptive, and are necessary. As President of the United States, Donald Trump advocated for nothing. Again, I can hear, feel, and that that the Trump fans are are clicking stop. I'm not pacing a value judgment on this. I'm just telling you the truth of how it is. You can say, I don't care, and you don't have to care. Sooner or later, you'll have to care, or your kids will have to care, because they will. the country will go broke over this, but right now, you don't have to care. You can agree with kick the can down the road. But wouldn't it be nicer? Wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be more productive if the money being spent by the Trump campaign and Trump supporters went toward making a case for Trump? Wouldn't it be better if you're going to attack somebody that maybe you fire at the other guy's trench rather than down your own? Wouldn't that seem to be a little bit better when you're paid surrogates and the people you got on the campaign payroll are attacking Ron DeSantis for signing a pro-life bill? Like, doesn't that seem a little bit weird? I get it. They're nervous about Ron DeSantis. But sooner or later, this is just some free political advice from somebody who knows a thing or two about politics. Sooner or later, you're going to empty all of your cannons on the DeSantis campaign. And you'll probably do that by June maybe July at the latest, and you will have said every bad thing, and it will all be forgotten if he announces in July or August. And then you'll rehash it, and it what does it do? It enables the DeSantis people to go, psh, they're rehashing, they're, they're replaying their greatest hits because they've got nothing. They've got nothing on us, and we've got this record of success. So if you want to help DeSantis, you're going about it all wrong. You're going about it stupidly. Your paranoia and your desire to think that somehow polling in April matters a damn about a vote cast in January. Knock yourself out. I watched that, and uh, I didn't watch the whole thing. I barely watched any of it, but I watched the beginning of the... Uh, Two-day, I only watched one day's beginning of it, the first day, Tucker interview with Trump. And he's still harping about the polls. The polls this, the polls that. He, he ignores the inconvenient polls, and he does. Well, he's wildly popular amongst Republicans. So that's all right. If you got every Republican vote in the country, if, if there weren't a constituency or a, a slice of the Republican Party that was just sick of Donald Trump, and there is, but if there weren't, and you got every single Republican vote alive today, Donald Trump, you would pull in 39% of the vote. Congratulations. You will have lost by that much unless you pull in other people. Unless you pull in other Democrats who are disaffected by Joe Biden or independents who really are the ones who decide it. But it would also require you to have gotten every single Republican voter to vote for you, which is unlike because half the people just don't show up to vote. Pretty simple, pretty basic. So instead of doing things that turn off people, you should try to turn on people. You should try to get people to come to your side. And to do that, you have to make a case 
make a case for yourself rather than the case against the other guy. It's not controversial, especially the guy who isn't even running yet. So by the time he, there's going to come a time if he does run where you are going to want to have things to unload on him. And if you uh, have blown your wad already, you're going to be stuck there with nothing. I don't have a dog in this hunt. I'm just interested in the truth, and I throw a big dose of reality on everybody's delusions. But at some point, you should probably act like a guy who is a conservative and running and wants to run and defeat Democrats rather than the other way around. All right, that's enough ticking off everybody, I think, for the day. Don't you think it's a way to start a week, especially tax day? i got to go deal with that crap today, so there's that. Anyway, I do owe you some business. The winner of the drawing this week, who's chosen Governor Mike Huckabee, is Peggy Eloquin. Congratulations, Peggy Eloquin. You have a message in your inbox somewhere from me. Send me your address. I'll send you the book. And that means that entering the ring to take on Sandra Day O'Connor is, this is a tough one, man. This is going to be a very tough one. Rescuing Sprite by Mark Levin. That's right. A dog lover's story of joy and anguish. Mark Levin's first, I think it was his first book. I don't know. And maybe it was after Men in Black. But whatever. It sold a ton of copies autographed by mark himself so go to patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or derek hunter.locals.com to enter to win sign up help the show thank you so much happy monday see you tomorrow